0: We're, uh, we're starting a series uh, tonight leading up to Easter called The Path to the Cross. We're gonna do three weeks. This week, uh, kind of the, the, the subject, the theme is preparation uh, to the cross or preparation for the cross. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit around the idea of preparation and that. I want to just start with the foundation and the context for you tonight. Um, I'm going to have one Not a whole lot of scriptures up on the screen. I'm just going to reference everything. So, again, if you're a linear thinker and you've got your notes set up, just roll with me. You know, embrace who I am as a pastor and at least an aspiring artist. I don't know if I'm a good artist yet, but we'll find out. Time will tell. Um, The foundation and the context of this scripture and this whole talk from the very beginning of the scriptures, we see this that God created. It's really cool if you read the creation account. I love uh, how it describes, even before everything came into existence, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And depending on how you're, you know, maybe imaginative you are or the way that your imagination sees things, I just see all this energy not quite into existence yet, or not quite, it doesn't have form yet, but this beautiful energy, even in the midst of the darkness, so to speak, but this beautiful energy just resting there, God's presence waiting to create something. All of a sudden, God speaks and creation becomes comes into existence and begins to happen. That's what we see in much of Genesis 1 is God creating. God creating at the end of Genesis 1 in verse 31 says, God created, and he looked at his creation. And he said that that's really, really good. What an artist. That he would create this beautiful creation, and man being the, the climax of it, the pinnacle of it. And he would say, yeah, that is really, really beautiful and good. And then, as you know, the story goes on. And we see Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve initially were perfect people. They were all that they were created to be, and they were in relationship with God, enjoying his presence. But then the story goes on, and we see Adam and Eve get a little bit rebellious, particularly Eve. Just kidding. Just kidding. Adam is duly responsible and equally responsible for the fall. I mean that. That was not just like, I'm not trying to appease the women here. I really mean that. We see the fall. Adam and Eve, they commit sin. They really try to be, again, something that they're not. They try to go after something they were never created for the knowledge of good and evil. Their pride wells up inside of them and they rebel God's commandment to them, not a commandment to. Uh, stifle them or to paralyze them or to shame them or anything like that. Quite the opposite. He sets these boundaries so that they can truly live free and enjoy his presence and all the good things that he created for them. But they wanted to get outside of that. So they sin and we see this separation between man and God. And then the rest of the scriptures through the Old Testament really is this story of God's creation and his people, particularly the nation of Israel, separated from God. And we see God relentlessly pursuing after them and at times his people enjoying His grace, enjoying His mercy and coming back into relationship with Him but they have this really impeccable ability to continue to rebel even in light of that and worship other gods and idols and the cycle continues on and on and on and on and this is the world that we've inherited today. It's just this world that's stricken and pained by sin and selfishness and fear. We're going back from today couple thousand years, we see this guy come on scene. His name is Jesus, and he lives this life, the life that we all want to live, a life free from the grip and the torment of sin. Now, tempted in every way that you and I were, he was both fully God and fully man, but free from sin, living the life he was fully created and destined to live, to make a way so that you and I could both live that, but not just to make a way, not just to be a good person so we would have a system of morality or a code of ethics, but ultimately to go to the cross, to die the death, really that you and I should die, although that's unpopular to say in today's culture. But there is a consequence for sin and it is death, and Jesus said, I'll take on that consequence. So that you and I and all of humanity doesn't have to. If they would just believe in me and love me. And then we see his resurrection, which overcomes the consequences and seals the grave. He overcomes it. And the Holy Spirit is poured out. And we see this in the book of Acts. So that you and I could be filled with God's spirit. Be filled with resurrection power. So that we can not only go to heaven when we die. But we could experience the fullness of God's heaven in this life as much as we can as we're obedient to him. Jesus made a way and he prepared a place. He made a way, and he prepared a place. If you're taking notes tonight, you can title your notes, Now and Then. Now and Then. Not now and later, for you candy fiends. (laughs) Now and Then. The idea is this. First of all, the temptation sometimes, especially the American church and the Western church today, is we have to find this balance between just looking at the scriptures and seeing who God is and what he's done and just simply being in awe of that, which is our primary objective. As human beings, again, this is a side note, and a rabbit trail. I'm going to try and limit those tonight. But we're not, as Jesus followers, we're not like moralists, It's not just about being good people simply. And we're not humanists where we're just trying to reach the climax of our humanity apart from God and and celebrate the potential and the capacity of man. Because even apart from God, there's incredible potential and capacity. But we are followers of Jesus. Every moment of every day, we live in awe and wonder of his goodness towards us and what he's done for us. Just trying to, as best we can, steward his spirit and his presence in our lives and see God reveal the glory of his faithfulness and his goodness and his love towards us. It's much different than just being a good person, although good things will come from it. Absolutely supernatural things will come from it. But if our mission and our objective is just to be good people, I I would argue that we would be less than who God has created us to be. Because you can be an awesome person apart from the spirit of God. So before we, I'm going to, we'll talk about our perspective and some practical things. But let's be in awe and wonder of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And just take a moment to pause and think about the ramifications that God would put on skin. Sometimes uh, I'm guilty of this all, all. Maybe I'm traveling. I don't have the like. Sometimes I go to California and I stay at my friend's house. I sleep on his couch, and sometimes I'm tempted to be like, "I'm sleeping on a couch. This is ridiculous. I should be in a hotel, like Airbnb, hotel, motel, holiday." (laughs) Jo sings like Van Halen or whatever. I don't even know. (laughs) And I sing Pitbull. It's like, we're a generational church here. (laughs) Think about this thought. Sometimes when I have those thoughts, I'm like, you are so fickle as a human being, Connor. Because the God of the universe stepped out of heaven and humbled himself to the form of a man and never once complained or moaned and groaned about his conditions or circumstances. That in and of itself is a humbling reality. I don't even know why I said that. Let's get back on track. Austin's like, I've never seen you with so many notes. That's because I'm a pastor and we could just sit here and talk for hours and hours, but we don't have that much time. I, I felt like what I was to remind you tonight was that salvation is not simply this place that we go to when we die. But as soon as we profess a faith in Jesus Christ and we recognize our need for him and we recognize his love towards us and we recognize his grace towards us and we recognize that he has so much for us and he wants to heal us and transform us. And we, with all that we have in, in, in our human responsibility, begin to step in to that healing and that transformation and that restoring of our humanity. We step in to eternity and we step in to salvation, whether it's on this side or the other. But I feel like particularly, and maybe intellectually you would agree with me, but we as a church need to remember and continually remember that as Jesus followers, we're not just living out this life and enduring life as long as we can with minimal collateral damage until we breathe our last, and then we're going to step in to the glory of God's goodness. But as soon as we say, Jesus, I recognize you're my Lord and my Savior, and you have so much grace and love for me, and I'm willing to surrender my whole life to you, that eternity begins in that moment. That in that moment, God wants to begin to restore our mind and heal our heart and restore our emotions and return us back to our original created form and purpose. He wants to sanctify us. That word sanctification means to restore back to its created purpose. The danger as a church and God's people, if we just think simply about salvation as this place we go to when we die, is we'll miss out on the work that God is doing on this side of eternity. That's equally as important and equally as glorious. Now we live in a world that's broken and still tormented by sin in a lot of ways. And you don't have to do a whole lot more than just pull up your Twitter feed to recognize that and see that. But as Jesus followers, what we're saying is God has made a way and he's prepared a place so that we could step into eternity on this side of the cross and on the next and we could experience his healing and his hope and his faithfulness even now as we're surrounded by darkness and torment and hopelessness and depression and all of these things. He's made a way and he's prepared a place now and then. I'm going to give you a couple more thoughts. You read, um, my, initially my scripture tonight is in Hebrews chapter 4, but don't put it up there yet. I had some things that I changed uh, just in the final hours, which again is kind of typical. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27 says this, it won't be on the screen. If you've ever gone through premarital counseling or marriage counseling or anything like that, you're probably familiar with this scripture Ephesians chapter 5, 25 through 27, says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy holy. And without blemish. It is about marriage. And that's a scripture that if you're married, especially as a man, this part of the scripture goes on later to describe and speak to wives. But it's interesting to think about. It's not really just simply primarily about marriage, but God's relationship to humanity. And what he says is that he is washing and cleansing us to prepare us holy and blameless on a time when we come before him again. It's really interesting. Listen to the language that he might sanctify her, Jesus might sanctify us, his people, having cleansed us by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself. This is interesting. Have you ever bought yourself a gift and then presented it to yourself before? That would be really odd, but clearly some of us do that. If I'm being totally honest, I do it regularly. No, I'm just kidding. But really, that's not a normal, common practice that you would work on something and pay for something and buy something and only to then give it back to yourself. Not in the sense that you're just shopping or buying and whatever, but you're literally like the idea is that it's a gift for someone and it's you. Amen. The theology is this, what we're trying to, what God is trying to speak to us in the scriptures is that there is a, a healing and a transformation and a restoration that's happening now. Because of what Jesus has done in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and as his people were obedient to him and we're in relationship to him and we repent from our sins and we step into his presence and we enjoy all that he has. He's healing and he's cleansing and he's washing us and he's restoring us and he's preparing us now for our ultimate healing and restoration. It's now and then. Eternity is now. And then. This is the question I thought to ask you tonight. The importance of understanding now and then, and eternity now, and eternity on the other side of the cross is this. The people that we are now, both consciously and subconsciously, is setting us on a trajectory for the direction and the path we're going to go down. Sometimes, especially, you see this a lot now in the millennial culture. People want to be millionaires, entrepreneurs. It's like the new cool thing to do. It's like everyone's an entrepreneur. Everyone wants to be a millionaire, a billionaire, and a gazillionaire. If you listen to a lot of people talk who who have actually achieved those certain things, They say things like, it's going to take you 20 or 30 years. But most people just want to buy lottery tickets. (laughs) Or it's going to take you, this is what I love. If you're an entrepreneur and you have heard this a million times, but maybe you haven't listened to it yet, here's just a reaffirmment. You're going to fail a lot before you finally have the idea that's going to break you through into what you consider to be success. Well, like we have this natural tendency in the depravity of our humanity just to fix our eyes on 20 years from now where we're going to be successful and get caught up in this fantasy world. But we don't want to take the necessary measures day in and day out in order to actually get there. That's why so many people never arrive at that destination because they don't recognize that the, the choices that we're making now and the people that we are now are the choices that are going to bring us into 20 years from now and the people we're going to be 20 years from now. There's like this cognitive dissonance inside of us where we don't recognize that who I am now although I can choose certain things and I can change and I can be restored and redeemed but if I don't choose those things and if I don't walk in the transformation of the Holy Spirit and if I'm not obedient to God's word whoever I am now is simply just who I'm going to be in the future like there's there's this thing here's the reality I was reading a book one time an incredible book on relationships and this guy was telling a story. He was talking to a pastor and he, he was talking to him about some relationship issues that he was having. He said to this guy, his name's Donald, he said, Donald, life is te- teleological. That word teleological means to go in a direction. And what we have to remember, just on not a super theological level, but just on the psychological level or foundational level, is life is teleological your life, no matter what you're experiencing or going through, has a direction. You're going somewhere. And my question to you tonight, in light of that, is what path are you on? And what direction are you going? In light of preparation, This is why it's so important to be able to answer that question and to reflect on it and to think on it. You might not be able to answer it right now, and maybe don't answer it right now, but continue to think about it. What path am I on and what direction am I going? It's because the path that you're on now and the choices that you're making now are preparing you for the destination you're going to arrive at in the future. And as God's people, sometimes when we get off path or we go down a wrong direction. I think it's because we have forgotten what's prepared for us. We have forgotten what's awaiting us. Sometimes we get so fixated, we're just like consumed by ourselves. And again, we slip into the same falsity where we separate what's ahead of us and where we currently are and the, the, the string between the two And we get going down these paths paths of just dark paths or wrong paths, wherever it might be, because we've lost sight that Jesus not only made a way for us, but he's preparing a place for us. What I've learned sometimes in this life, I go between this tension between two things. I'm really, really fixated on the now. And I forget about eternity. I didn't grow up in the church, so I like... I really, really think a lot about the now. Let's just say that. Like, often in, time, in church culture, we, we think a ton about eternity in terms of where we go when we die. A lot of people who are not in church, maybe they're subconsciously thinking about that, but they're not intellectualizing that they really care a whole lot about where they're going when they die. They think everything is about the now. I'll just tell you this right now. If we're going to reach unchurched people, if your paradigm is simply about where we're going when we're dying, you're going to have a really hard time being able to, to get to their level and communicate to them. Because here's the thing about people who, who are far from Jesus and don't want to have anything to do with the church is they want to experience salvation now. And that's why it's so important for us to understand now and then. That God is meeting us now and healing us now and restoring us now and there's hope for now and there's peace for now and there's faith for now because he's made a way and he's preparing a place. But the you could swing to the other direction and you could think you could be so fixated on now and you start looking at now because although you might experience God's peace now, again, you turn on CNN or you turn on Twitter or you do whatever and you look at the world and you see the chaos of the world and if you're not if there isn't this perspective of eternity and the hope that is set before us and the place that is set before us, the place that is prepared for us, that Jesus has, is awaiting us with where there is no pain and there is no death and life is eternal and there's nothing but the pure, unadulterated presence of God, then it would be really easy for you to become very discouraged and very pessimistic and very even maybe depressed or we have to see both now and then, and understand the relationship of them together. So my question to you again is, right now, what path are you on? What direction are you going? If you're a Jesus follower in here, and your immediate thought is, I go to church every Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the path that that Jesus has paved for us, the way that he's made for us. Is this incredible life of wholeness. Where even though we're wrestling with the temptation of sin, we're not enslaved to it. It doesn't have a grip on us anymore. It doesn't overcome us. Again, you might stumble and fall here and there, and you might have moments of selfishness, and you might have moments of pride, and you might have moments of fear, and you might have moments of anger and frustration and hatred. But then you redirect your focus on what's prepared for you, and you realize that unforgiveness can't live inside of me because that's not the place that's prepared for me. That hopelessness can't live inside of me because I have an incredible hope that despite what I'm going through right now and the circumstances and the death and the pain, that there's a place prepared for me that's far beyond anything that I could ever try to discourage me or or kill me or depress me in this life. That you would live this life where you're just like, I just don't want to experience reconciliation and peace with people on the other side when breath has left my lungs. But because I know that that's the place that's prepared for me, I'm going to pursue reconciliation and peace and unity with people on this side of the cross. That I just don't want to experience the fullness of God's presence and his love on the other side. But if I could step into anywhere, quite honestly, because I recognize that the spirit of God lives in me. That even on this side, no matter what's going on around me, no matter how much darkness or pain there is. I just want to experience as much of his glory and his peace and his presence as I can now. Because it's what's prepared for me. And Jesus has made a way. Now and then. I'm doing pretty good on time. Water break. (laughs) When you're thinking about the path that you're on right now, audit your whole life. Think about your thoughts, think about your desires. Think about the little decisions and the choices that you're making. The reason why that's so important, it's interesting, when you look at um, the, the Sermon on the Mount, teachings of Jesus, particularly, even though it's often a hot topic, and we, we really focus on this one a lot in the church, the idea of adultery. It's interesting, Jesus says, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. I mean, if you think about it, just from a, if you were not to have those teachings, I mean, even the teachings of the law, it was not from the, from the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. It wasn't if you looked at a woman with adulter- or lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. It was if you had intercourse with a woman other than your wife, you've committed adultery. But Jesus takes it to a whole nother level. Why is that? Because Jesus understands that life is teleological, that life has a direction, that your lustful thoughts now, if not dealt with now, are taking you on a path and you're preparing for adultery. It says if you have anger in your heart towards your brother, you've committed murder. If that's the case, all of us have committed murder. Maybe you've murdered me before. I'm not totally Sure. But I'm here. I'm not dead. But that's because Jesus understands that life is teleological. That it has a direction. That you're on a path. That you're going somewhere. And if you're cultivating things inside of your heart and inside of your mind that are not in alignment with God's character and his nature and his goodness and the truth that he's revealed to us in the scriptures, you're headed down a path and you're preparing for destruction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To be honest, some of you might be like, wow, that's really, really intense. And I don't know if I like that, God. Think about this. The idea that he would even give us a Sermon on the Mount and teach us those things is the most graceful thing he could ever do. Because he had the option just to say, figure it out on your own. Uh 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 Uh-huh. Yeah, wait till adultery to feel the weight of those consequences to repent. Wait till murder to feel the weight of those consequences to repent and change your path and destruction. Most people who have stepped into that place, although... If you have done any of those things, God's grace still meets you where you are, and he can set you free from that. But most people, when they find themselves in that place, and I haven't actually killed someone or actually committed adultery or, or any of those really horrible sins that we talk about, the weight of the, those things are often too much for them to turn from. So God says, before you even get to that place and prepare that grave for yourself. Let me redirect your path now, because I've prepared a place for you. And it is way better than anything you could do on your own. One minute. What are you preparing for? Let me say this, I'm gonna give you one last thought, and then I'm gonna read you I think it's a poem. <laughs> I don't know what it is, <clears throat> really, in terms of if you're like a, a literature major, you can come up to me afterward and let me know what it is. But I wrote something that I'm going to read you. But <clears throat> if you put up that scripture, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, let's focus back on Jesus here. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let us not slip through, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weaknesses and testings, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Here's the thing. On the path that you're going on, even if you're following Jesus and being obedient to his leading and his life and his teachings, you're going to experience pain. He says in John chapter 16 that in this life you will have trouble. But take heart in me, trust in me. The reason why Jesus made a way and prepared a place and did it the way that he did was because he knew that if even we would follow him, that we too would go through hardship and trouble. And the purpose of him going through all those things was one, to pay for our sin and the consequences of it, but was also to know that we have a God who has been through what we are going to go through and can empathize and sympathize and is with us through those things. You have to know that because sometimes in this life, the weight of this life, even as a Jesus follower, can become so heavy. And even sometimes for people, you love Jesus, you've been following Jesus for however many years, but you come to this place where you feel like the weight of this life is so heavy that you can't take it anymore. You know there's a place prepared for you after you die, but you're dying for heaven to enter into your reality now. And if we lose sight of the fact that the reason why Jesus lived the life that he lived, that was not just to prepare a place for us when we die, but was to enter into our reality now, to meet us where we are now, to help us get to that place that he's prepared for us. It can be really hard to keep faith and to keep courage. But you can. Because you do have a great high priest. You do have Jesus who's been through everything you've been through. <laughs> oh, that music was. <laughs> but without sin so that you can go through anything you're going to go through without sin. And you can go on this path where God is restoring you and healing you and washing you and cleansing you. Until the time comes where you'll either breathe your last or Jesus will return, whichever one comes first, and will enter into this eternal place of rest and peace and goodness and his presence forever. What are you preparing for? Let me read you this. I literally titled it. <clears throat> I titled it, It says, "A poem about preparation." Question mark." I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Everyone keeps saying, "Trust the process." that life is about progress, and to remember that the promise maker has made a promise and he doesn't break his promises. But what about all the pain? What about all the pride? What about all the wolves who were preying on the sheep, who were trying to embrace the, progr- the process, to make progress, to remember the promise, and to trust the one who made it? What should I say to them? What should I believe? I so desperately want my life to have purpose. Is it really just a matter of time? And who's telling time? And what if I need to go back in time or what if I need more time? What What should I think in light of all the corruption, all the politics, all the red tape? And why does it seem like people have their hands tied and their mouths taped silent? What would you tell me in light of all the injustice, in light of the moral chaos, is it just more me or aren't even the waters, the winds, the rocks and the trees isn't all of creation crying out for an answer, a savior? Wait, I remember. Whew. Someone once told me news of a god who didn't get a kick out of the chaos and its consequences, but whose heart broke over it. So much so, he said, give me a tent. I'm going to take a trip, and I'll return, but not until I make a way. I'm going to make a way home for the people I love who are left alone. Away through the pain, away through the chaos, through the powers that be, someone must pay for all this pain. I'll volunteer me. so trust the process the pain will pass away peace is falling and celebrate your progress because your reward came at the greatest cost the cross and prepare for heaven it's coming it's just a matter of time